The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends, and earn Unicorns through successful bets, or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program, where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet! This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to week four of our NALCS Guess the Lines podcast. Uh, we have now three weeks in the books. The sample sizes are starting to come together. We can start making really meaningful assertions as to how these teams are working themselves out. And unfortunately, the most meaningful thing we could say is more than half of these teams don't seem to be very good or consistent in how they've been playing on a week-to-week basis. So to sort it all out and to try to see which one of those teams will come forward and start really impressing us, I, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Walter Cietis Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? Oh, man, North America. I know we talked about on the European podcast the sort of ineptitude of the bottom four. And I, I feel like, as you said, the six teams, the bottom six teams in North America, it's not ineptitude. Not not to the level of Orient, not to the level of vitality, um, but there is this like general like malaise about like nobody wants to be the fifth seed, like nobody wants to actually make the playoffs. They just sort of are like, eh, it's, four, it's only week three. Like we still got a while to figure it out. You're having quotes coming out from like Stixay with ESPN saying, uh, you know, friendship doesn't win games anymore. And we're like, CLG, that's all you guys are about, though, is friendship. <laughs> and then I remember saying the same thing about a certain yellow and black squad led by a very charismatic now streamer. Oh, many years ago. Oh, friendship doesn't win games, but that's all you're about is friendship. Dignitas. Cough, cough, cough. <laughs> so that just means that Afromu is going to be the next great streamer in like a year and a half. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird looking at the bottom six because there are, there are some brilliant high points from all, all these teams. I will say all of these teams have had some pretty brilliant high points at times. And then the rest of it is just a very slow, sluggish, muddy march. So, I I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I that's know. totally fair. I mean, if you look at, you know, when we did our preseason predictions, we were lower on FlyQuest than some other people were. But our reasoning was, these teams are going to ramp themselves up, and while FlyQuest will do well early, by the time they do, then some of these matchups are going to be a lot closer. And you're seeing a little bit of movement for each of these teams. You do have those moments where you look at them and go, oh... This is a team that can win a series. This is a team that understands how to put games together. It's just a matter of doing it consistently enough. And certainly teams like CounterLogic Gaming have proven in the past, you know, just look at last split, how they started off as weak as they did and then managed to ramp up by the time the playoffs came around. It's Mm -hmm. certainly possible, but 
right now you've got six teams that are all working towards figuring it out. And I'm just, it's going to be very fun to watch as they try to put things together. But let's talk about a team that's already put things together in your mind, Walter. What team impressed you this week? I, I'm going to stay with Phoenix 1. Even though they lost against TSM, I thought that that series was insanely close and took a, a really Herculean effort in Game 3 by Sven Skaren to make sure that TSM won that series. Um, I think they came together a lot quicker than anyone expected. I know there were, there were some bumps in their play in the first you know week, week and a half, um, but just overall, the team as a whole has just come out swinging. We brought up on the we brought up last week that we aren't talking about Arrow. Arrow is third in percent of his team's damage. He's the quietest eighty carry and by all means the best eighty carry in North America. This split Ryu looks fantastic. Uh, Inori, Inori is, I think, the weak link of this team because his his variance in terms of whether he's playing well or not playing well is so back and forth. And um, and we'll talk about we'll talk about the the Ivern pick in a moment when we get to the bad. But just as a whole, the team when he is on his game and he is ultra aggressive is a better version of H two K. It's a better version of that H two K squad from last year that made it to the semifinals. Do I think if we put this roster against Samsung in those semifinals, do they win? No, not a chance in hell. But, you know, I, I'm very, I enjoy watching this team because they have just the right amount of cautious, we're going to end the game the right way, balanced with a super aggressive playmaking early game that they don't make a ton of mistakes with. So I, I'm on the Phoenix 1 hype train. I love this team. Yeah. I think this team is excellent. I think my, my dark horse prediction of them to begin the split was right on the money. Yeah, for sure. I, f- I do feel like our faith in that team was justified. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, the thing that we were the most concerned about was, you know, is Zig going to be a liability? And he's been very consistent. He's a solid guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's certainly taken a step forward from what we saw. Ryu is playing just out of his head. I love watching Ryu right now. The, the chase downs on Cassiopeia are just absolutely brutal. Uh, the way he's just tearing people apart. And I, I just have to wonder, you know, if, if the 80 carry patches that Riot was teasing in uh, 7.4 put, uh, you know, the ability for Marksman to start carrying some games again, Arrow's going to start being talked about way more often. This is uh, very much a team that looks, uh, you know, built to succeed moving forward, and it's still early in the season, so that's that's been nice. I, I will say, I'm I'm going to just bring this up because I, you know, as someone who misjudged FlyQuest at the beginning of the season, I find this fascinating. Uh, they have the second highest gold lead at 15 minutes. 1,299 on average. That is bonkers. Cloud9, in case you're curious, is third at 800 gold less, uh, approximately. Uh, They have the highest first blood rate at 71% uh, because Moon's been playing uh, just so much better than we're traditionally used to. I I love the way that, uh, that High has managed to consistently not only do well in team fights, but, you know, be the, the shot caller that they need them to be. And at some point, you know, I've been saying for two weeks, they need to beat a good team. They need to beat a good team. They're, they've beaten everyone in front of them. And while this week is going to be the biggest test that they've had so far, there are a lot of reasons that they've shown that why they're going to uh, rise to the occasion. That said, not every team can rise to the occasion, Walter. What team was the most disappointing to you this week? So, so this isn't a team thing. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I, cause I, I could talk about Envious, I can talk about Dignitas, I, I want to talk about Ivor. 
I think there are maybe three junglers in North America that should play that champion. I don't think Inora is one of them. Um, I think Svenskeren can get away with it. I think Chaser and I think Lyra can get away with it. And the fact that I'm mentioning two of them that are the bottom two junglers team-wise uh, in the league should tell you something. I think that North America has identified itself as the super aggro, assassin, kill composition style of, of region. And do I think that Contracts and some of these other teams, as they start to do the double 80 carry comps, I think maybe Moon will probably bring it out at some point. These double 80 carry with the Ivern, you know, tank top laner and a good support, these are starting to become prevalent, especially in Europe and Korea. Uh, Europe especially is really getting, is just really running with these compositions. They're really, really strong at it. Yeah. But none of these young junglers, I don't think they have that in their play style. None of them are exceptional Rek'Sai players. Uh, exceptional tank style Rek'Sai players. They we think of Dardock, you know, way back before he actually joined Team Liquid. He's playing on Team Liquid Academy, and he had this like beautiful quadra kill in, uh, you know, Sun or Challenger series or whatever on Rek'Sai right before he joined the team, uh, Team Liquid Acad- Team Liquid main roster, and that was still with a mostly damage, you know, like hybridy Bruiser type build. Mm-hmm. Rek'Sai's now are almost purely building tank you get the occasional weird where they take like fervor as a mastery um and and that play style seems more in line with what ivern's play style is tank supporting your team using your cues in lieu of like the rexai knockup you know trying to move around the map trying to have objective pressure etc where all the other 80 all the other junglers you're seeing you're seeing you know kha'zix rangar graves lee sin those type of junglers are all Get in your face, do damage, move out. Um, maybe Rainover would be good at Ivern, but I, I don't want to see any of these young NA guys on it. I don't want to see Inori on it. I don't really want to see Dardock on it. Moon, Acadian, like, stick with what's working. Don't don't try to experiment too much here. I get it's a strong pick, but at the same time, like, it just doesn't fit you. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, the strength of the pick is something that I go back and forth on. Obviously, Europe has been very good with it. Uh, you know, Yankos is the only guy I know who plays Ivern like a damage <laughs> ganking juggler. Xerxes, yeah. Xerxes does well. He was still playing <sighs> kind of a, a you know. If I was to put it in Hearthstone or card game terms, I would say he's a mid range guy. You know, there's <laughs> some aggression, but he still knows how to go back. Uh, Yankos is just full aggro. He will play full damage. Full Ivern, AP Ivern done. It's great. Uh, but you know, the the thing about Ivern is that. When he's done at his best, uh, he kind of reminds me a lot of when Nunu is played in competitive. Because he does such a good job of making the enemy jungler useless. So you better be smart enough to counter the enemy jungler. And when you're young, and like, you know, guys like Inori and Contracts are putting all of those eggs in the I can out mind game the enemy basket. That just seems like a risk you don't need to take. I agree with you wholeheartedly on this. And I think that. As a jungler, Nunu, like you bringing up Nunu is such a perfect point because Nunu and Ivern can literally go into the enemy jungle and take a camp like that, like a second and be out. And you can't do that with other champions. You have to actually like deal damage and you have to clear the camp. And like, so your timing windows, it requires, like, they're not nearly as fine tuned as something like a Kha'Zix or a Rengar where you have to be there for an extended period of time. It's getting these tiny little slivers where you're like, okay, I can go in and take his Raptors and then back out. Or I want to go get top lane, 
but I can take the second to take his Krugs and then get top lane. And, like, all these little minute things, I think, I think that's an excellent point. Like, I'm going to steal that point. I'm going to put it on Twitter before this podcast comes out. So it'll be like, you stole it from me. <laughs> so, sounds like a plan. Well, I'm going to steal it. Uh, I stole it from Sean O'Connor, who I had a conversation with earlier. Because he, he inspired the, the idea. At the very least. <laughs> and I will say, I think our picks were inspired last week, Walter. We went 2-1 and one in North America. We uh, took FlyQuest over Dignitas, plus 115. That was money. We yep. took Echo Fox, plus 115 over Team Liquid. I think that that bet could have come through. Liquid tried very hard to hand it to us, but uh, yep. unfortunately it didn't work out for us. Uh, and then FlyQuest even over Immortals. Uh, we are going to keep riding the uh, FlyQuest value as long as we can. It does put us uh, at $115 a profit for the week. That's 265 overall in North America. So if uh, as long as you're ignoring what's going on in Europe, you're probably doing great. And if you are... At least we're breaking even for you guys. We're, we're doing our best here, and we're going to start our search for uh, more value this week. Cloud9 versus Team Liquid. Walter, did we see enough from Liquid last week to start feeling like they could make a resurgence? Or is this... Are, are you still concerned about how this team comes together? Do we, see, do, do we is... need Link for things to turn around? Because that's the question that's in my head. <laughs> Is Link the missing link? Is that what, is that what you're asking me? Yes. <laughs> no. I, I think we brought it up at the beginning. There's six teams here that all can kind of beat each other any given day, any given time. And it's chaos. We talk about Unicorns of Love being chaos style, but these six teams are literally chaos style. And they beat Echo Fox by the skin of their teeth. That was a chaotic series that had mistakes going back and forth, and it was just some minor capitalization on Liquid's part that got them there. Let's not forget they got 2 0 by Envious to yeah. start the week. Like, no, I haven't seen anything. I, I see, again, it's I've seen these extremely high points where there are these moments of brilliance. I'm thinking of the Lolo Lolo Carry game. Uh, these moments where I'm like, okay, yeah, like this could be a good team, but the rest of it is just bogged down. It's like you're they're mudding in a Jeep. And they, like, pull into the grocery store afterwards, and they want to go get, like, groceries, but they're just covered in mud, and they have to make a decision about, well, do we want to go out in public like this? But there's no toilet paper in the house. So, yeah, they kind of have to go out in public like this. This happens where I'm from in Wayne County, New York. Like, this is actually an occurrence. So, I just, I don't have a bead on, like, any of these 16, because... I feel like at one moment they could go, you know, they could have a 2-0 week where they win all four, you know, two sweeps. And then the next week they could get swept in both of their series. So, no, I don't feel confident about uh, about Liquid at all. I don't feel confident about any of these six teams. <laughs> Ask me which of these six teams are going to make the playoffs. I will give you a different answer every half hour. That's totally fair. I, I do think it's interesting to me that Rainover is someone who, you know, on paper, like when you watch him, the eye test tells you like, yeah, Rainover still smart. He's making plays when they're doing well. But Rainover is the guy that I like to point to as the sign of whether Liquid is going to win the game or not, because he has a 2.4 KDA right now. This is one of the worst Rainover splits as far as uh, pure stats goes. You know, he has the lowest kill participation percentage on his team. He has the uh, third highest death percentage on the team. He's only getting about an average 27% of first bloods, which for the record has left their gold differential at 15 minutes at negative 1,997 which is by far the worst in the league. And it's one of those things where if they could just figure out 
how to get Rainover going and set him up in the way that Immortals set him up or Fanatics set him up. They can't do it. They can't do it. They don't have the laners. Yeah. The problem is there's so much pressure on him because we... Cooney was amazing. Pole Belter had an exceptional summer split, and his spring split, he was pretty good, too. Like, Wild Turtle definitely declined in the summer, but his spring split was solid. Like, their laners were so good and took so much pressure off of him from the lanes that he could go into the enemy jungle with impunity. He could move around. He could ward. He could invade. He could go gank a lane. He had all the information to succeed because his lanes were so strong. You don't have that on Liquid. You don't. Golden Glue's not beating anybody in lane. Lorlo, maybe 40% of the time he can go even, maybe beat the opposing guy in lane. Like, Lorlo's their bright spot. He could probably beat anyone in lane. It's the same thing. Like, he could have this moment where he could probably beat someday in one game in lane, but then get stomped the other two. And then this bot lane. I, I'm not going to rail on him again, but the bot lane is terrible. The yeah. bot lane is atrocious. They don't have a Team Liquid Academy roster to go back to and try and mix things up. I just, I think this is a sunk split for Liquid. I, I truly think it's a sunk split for Liquid, and they're going to go into the spring, summer off season, and they're not going to have a lot of options because I don't think teams are going to do a ton of roster changes in between spring and summer, at least not for quality players. Everyone's going to want to keep their quality players for a world's run. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this before when it comes to signing players in between spring and summer. Often they have to, to rush the scouting process to try to get them as quickly as possible because you don't want to be the one uh, who waits too long and, and gets stuck with the worst possible option. Maybe the, the new format for MSI, it is now a longer tournament, so you, you might imagine changes are going to happen, but I don't know. I, I think the biggest change is they need to change Matt into Matt from last year because this is a guy that just looks shaken. And I don't think that Golden Glue is the problem, but if there's any chance that Link is the solution, you have to imagine, you know, every time I go on social media, it's just people calling for Golden Glue's head, which Link probably is professionally in a year and over a year. Let's not forget this. I, I understand, but at some point you have to see what you have with him. And I don't know how long you want to wait to make that choice, but they're playing Cloud9 and Impact uh, is going to you probably be able to handle Lorlo just fine. So where do you think the, the line is here, Walter? Uh, I have Cloud9 at minus 700. Okay, you got this one. Boom. I went way too low. I said minus 400. I thought, you know, Liquid got a lot of credit last week from the casinos. Not this week. Uh, Cloud9 minus 769 uh, puts Team Liquid at plus 450. I don't have an argument with it. Cloud9 is playing just beautiful ball. And, uh, and... I'm not. I would. I would not want to put money on Team Liquid uh, in any I, way, shape. Or I, I. I don't want to harp on this. I don't want to harp on this. I accept that Cloud Nine is the best team in North America. I accept that. I don't understand the incredible hype they're receiving. There's a ton of people. Uh, Jensen, undisputed MVP. You know. Oh, they're by far the best team. People are talking about how this team would probably be competitive with TSM from last split. Like, I don't. I don't see incredible out of this team. I see very good. I'll be honest. All my hate, everything that I said in the offseason, I'll admit, they're a very good team. I don't see incredible. I don't see a, a, a season so far that should be discussed with TSM Summer or the Fanatic Undefeated run or, or you know, the original Cloud9 run back, you know, in, in summer of 2013 into, you know, uh, into spring of 2015. I don't, I don't see the comparison. I don't. 
I think they're they're very solid. I think they are making the right decisions. They're utilizing the fact that contracts has a little bit more influence on the early game. But I'm not seeing these incredible, and maybe it's just I'm not seeing incredible individual play from Jensen or Impact. But I, I, I looked at stats. I watched, I've watched every single game that Cloud9 did. I went back and watched some of the earlier ones because I, I truly want to try and understand why everyone is projecting them out as like this world beater. And I can't say that Jensen and Impact uh, haven't improved. I, I've looked at the stats they have. They've improved, you know, steadily, and maybe some of it's just that they haven't hit, you know, 40-plus games played in the split because we're only going into week four. But if someone could, could point to specific examples about why Cloud9 is, like, an impeccable team and perfect, forward them at me because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just missing something here. I think that it's, it's a natural pattern, right, in that people want to believe that there is a great team in North America. It's just instinctual. You want to believe that your region is good, and... Cloud9 has beaten up on a lot of teams, but the majority of teams right now are still putting things together. I, beating up on teams like this is so different than when TSM was beating up on teams that had had the spring split to figure out what was going on and refined things over the summer. I want to see how that adaptation goes. That's what I'm very curious about. I want to see what happens as some of these lower tier teams figure it out and start to challenge some of these things that Cloud9 are doing. I, I have them right now is great. I don't have them at the fantastic level I had TSM at last split. It, I think that's, that's going too far. I don't far. get Jensen over high. I don't get having Jensen be the MVP over high. Not at all. I don't understand it. That that that's the part that's really blowing my mind. I don't get it. Well, we'll get to uh, we'll get to that game later because they're going to get a chance to battle it out uh, mano a mano for it. Yeah. Uh, but first, Immortals versus Dignitas, uh, the battle of teams that have disappointed us so far this split. Walter, uh, I know you were big on Dignitas going into the split last week. You said not time to panic. Are you panicking yet? Yeah, I'm. I'm nervous. I'm nervous about my. My uh, unicorns on them winning the split. Pretty nervous about that. Um, Lod has sort of regressed a little bit. Keen is not improved at all. He's getting caught out a lot. And Dignitas are really not even trying to hide the fact. They're like, yeah, someday has to carry us. They're not doing anything to try and hide that fact. Um, I, I don't know what the fix is. Maybe it's that they just need an AD carry meta shift because Lod... Uh, frankly, on Envious, that they, they struggled towards the end of the split. That was when they struggled, when he couldn't play super lane-dominated carries. He was doing fine. Like, he wasn't bad at Ash. He wasn't bad at, like, Ezreal. Um, but just for some reason, they're, they're struggling so much, and it's just the other four really aren't pulling their weight, and, and Dignitas aren't trying to hide the fact that it's someday carries or we lose. So, I, oh, man... I just, they don't have good macro decision-making anymore. They don't even play, like, they could have won that game one against CLG, but they just weren't patient enough. They got antsy, and they weren't willing to sit back and let someday carry them. I'm, co coaching staff has a lot of work to do here. They, they really need to figure out exactly how to make this work in terms of resource distribution, in terms of prioritizing where they want to go in terms of what to do when they are running a four, you know, four and one split push composition. It's just, it's messy. It's just really messy. This is the muddiest of all the muddy Jeeps. No, abs absolutely. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I was afraid this might happen mostly because I was, you know, I've been low on Keen throughout uh, his career as a general rule. It just, it's, it, 
I think you hit it on the head when you talked about a lack of patience. This is a team that so desperately wants to prove that they were worth all of the time and money that has been put into to purchasing these guys and importing someday over, you know, you know, someday obviously wants to be on a winning team. The guys, you know, was arguably the best top later in the world at, you know, throughout at several points throughout his career. This is just rough to watch because if you're going to play through him, you need to do a better job at getting him the kind of time to, to scale up in this meta. And they're just not holding on long enough. And I think that maybe they can do it against Immortals because Immortals is not a team that wins particularly quickly either. Yep. They do have Dardock though. He's, he's got to be just frustrated by how that, this is going, right? Because my heart's breaking for him that he joins a team that on paper should have been fun and Poe Belcher just decided to take the split off. And their bot lane is terrible. I, I'm, I hate harping on it, but the bot lane is terrible. <laughs> Poe Belcher decided to take the split off. And Dardock, it just feels like a lot of the time he's like on a, at a place on the map and he's like, okay, I want to make a play. And then the opposing team exploits his bot later, his mid later, and he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to go steal two camps. Like, well, I guess that's what I can do. He is trying so hard. Yeah. But he's, he's not trying. There, there are moments where he's trying, trying so hard that he's forcing it, but he is the most intelligent out of all the young jugglers. He knows when not to force it. Yeah. And he's, sure, we can make fun of him for missing, you know, a Cossack's jump over Wraithwall or, or, you know, missing a Flash or, yeah, has there been moments where he's gang, you know, tried to gank and, oh, there's the enemy jungler sitting in the side lane bush. Like, of course, mm-hmm. it happens. It happens to the best of us. It happens to me, for God's sakes. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm an impeccable jungler. Of course, I'm <laughs> challenged or, um, but, he, but throughout the rest of it, he, he, he has that moment where he's sitting on the map and he's like, well, I could go try and force top. But he's under his tower. It's a Shen. It's a Maokai. We don't really have the damage to take him out. I'm just going to go take camps. Like he, you can see him actively making those decisions in those moments, and he's making the correct decisions. Where I'm seeing guys like Acadian, um, seeing Moon do it sometimes, and seeing Inori do it especially. Inori is really the one that when he sees someone else make a play, he's like, I have to make a counterplay. Yeah. I have to make a counterplay. And he's not willing to settle on, I'll get Scuttle Crab and I'll get a camp. I'll get you know a camp and get a couple words here. Dardock has now gotten to that point where he's shifted to that type of mentality of like, okay, I'll do this little thing that's not as big as that other thing, but it'll help me out, and you know maybe I can make a big play later. So, which you know I, I'm of two minds of that because as you know someone who made the you know I chose to root for Immortals because I love our Lord and thanks Savior. Thanks for that. Th- yeah, thanks for that. that I was, look. I should have learned wonder. by now that I'm not allowed to have fun when I root for teams. That's just not sure. how these things tend to go. I, you know, on the one hand, I, I agree with you that Dardock is playing very smart. On the other hand, I also feel like he kind of is the only win condition right now. Like, he has to get Flame ahead, or he has to somehow revitalize Pobelt, or at least, you know, stem the bleeding. And, you know, I, I, he's making the call that makes him look the smartest, but it's not a call that's going to help the team win. It's, it's the same problem that Rainover has. Yeah. His bot and his mid are not good enough to take the pressure off of him. And there, there's so many times where Dardock looks like he wants to go make a play, and there's an opposing support standing there, like, right in his way. Like, oh, hey, here's Dardock. Here's a ward. Like, it, it's the same thing with Rainover. Literally, you could swap Rainover and Dardock to 
Team Liquid and, and Immortals, which, man, that'd be a hell of an idea. Go ahead and just swap them. And uh, it, it'd be the same exact situation. They, the, the teams just aren't talented enough. The teams around them just aren't talented enough. And it's really kind of depressing when you look at it. And the funny thing is you brought up the gold differential. Liquid has the worst. Immortals has the second worst. Mm-hmm. They both are killing it in jungle share in terms yeah. of the amount of camps that they are taking. They're both above 51%. They're the only two teams in the league that are above 51%. Uh, they're then followed by Dignitas. Again, bad teams, their junglers are just going and taking jungle camps because their lanes are just so weak that they can't go make plays. When they're trying to go make a play, and their lane falls apart on them. So yeah. I just think that's, that's very telling that when you look at some of the really bad teams, that's the stat that they're good at is, okay, well, we're just going to take a jungle camp. And I think it shows the intelligence of those three junglers. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame that, you know, out of their nine lanes, six of them are kind of terrible. It's not ideal. I think that's safe to say. Suboptimal, perhaps. Uh, where, does this, uh, where does this leave the Immortals Dignitas line, Walter? I have Immortals at minus 135. Okay. I get this one. I said Dignitas minus uh, 160. It is Dignitas minus 149. And I think all of that comes down to the fact that uh, gamblers like someday more than flame. And if you're going to bet on something, I bet on someday, I guess, over, you know, whatever you're going to throw at them from, uh, from Dignitas. I'm not, I'm not sure I want to, or Immortals, I should say. What, I'm not sure I want to bet on this. What, what does that make, Immortals? Plus 115. Like 115. I think there's more value elsewhere. And and let's move forward to that. I'm, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's more value elsewhere, but I just, I'm just curious. CLG versus Echo Fox is the first game on Saturday. And I'm very interested in this game for, for two completely polarized opposite reasons. On the one hand, it seems like CLG took a step forward this week. And on the other hand, it seemed like Echo Fox took a huge step back. Which of those two forces do you think uh, has the, you know, are, are we, is there a chance that Echo Fox can turn this around? Or is CLG at a place now where they should be able to lock this one up? Well, I just want to say that uh, in week two, CLG took a massive step back and Echo Fox took a massive step forward. You're not wrong. <laughs> so I think they're pretty even. Like, I think these are two pretty even teams. Um, I think they're even in their 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 own ways. Um, I think CLG's bot lane is much better. Um, I think the mid lane is in Echo Fox's favor. I think the top lane is kind of a wash. And I think the jungle is kind of a wash. So you have one really dominant lane for each team, and then the other positions are kind of even. Uh, it's just going to come down to macro decision-making, which... In week two, CLG was like, we have no macro decision-making capabilities against two of the best teams in the league, against FlyQuest and Cloud9. I'll be fair about that. And in week two, Echo Fox was like, we're really good at rotating around the map. We really know how to exploit this. We have a super aggressive rookie of the year, rookie of the split jungler that is leading the league in kills, that is buoying our league-leading gold differential at 15 minutes. Like, they're phenomenal in the first 15 minutes of the game. And in week two, they were showing, yeah, we can now translate that into an endgame. Like, it's not all about frogging just farming the late game and making a play. And then in week three, those things changed, where Echo Fox was like, we still have this really good early game, but we don't know what to do afterwards. And CLG was like, this is the CLG of old. We know how to close games. So, I... Let's see which one shows up. We have to see which one of the two show up. I'm probably a little more inclined to believe in CLG just because they have, you know, 
a year, a year and a half of being a pretty excellent macro team. Uh, Zix just knows how to get them prepared. I don't think that Echo Fox can really pull out anything to surprise CLG. Um, and I think Xmithy is smart enough to support his lanes and protect them from Acadian getting first blood. But um, but if Echo Fox gets out to a lead, like they do have the potential to to carry it into a victory, as they showed in week two. I will say uh, Echo Fox right now has the second highest first blood rate at 69%. And so much of that has to do with Acadian's desire to just kill all of the things. I admire it. If I, you know, even if, you know, sometimes he, he will jump himself into a bad situation. That's going to happen with young guys. But the number of Kha'Zix resets, just watching him hop all over the place as he desperately tries to kill everything in sight has made him fun to watch. And if they can turn that into map objectives, they're going to be fine. I will say this, uh, Gate and Keith, I saw you do your little, like, spam laugh underneath the tower that got yourself killed against Liquid. You should be embarrassed by that. That is an embarrassing, embarrassing thing to do. And when you're already under such scrutiny on social media, and you're already struggling to really get going on a consistent basis, I mean, what are you doing? Like, Gate and Keith are the new Kiwi Kid and Cutie Pie. That's not a positive thing to aim for, Walter. <laughs> no, but that's that's who they are. They're Kiwi Kid and Cutie Pie. And that means Gate's going to have a nice long career long career that we're going to be wondering why he hasn't retired yet. And, and Keith is going to go on to be a fairly successful streamer in about a year. Like, yeah. That, I watched those shenanigans. That's literally you saying that. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't. I'm a Cutie Pie and Kiwi Kid used to do that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not wrong. And I, I, I will say this. Um... <laughs> At the very least, it it seems like they are uh, they're they're gonna just uh, Toucan and the Dude is gonna be a great show one day. The memes are gonna be real, and they're gonna play that clip yeah. at least what uh, five times a week. I I still think this is one of the better we ideas. Need to copy your, show. We need to get that trademarked. Like, we really do. We need to get Nintendo on the show and sell him on this. I think he'll come on board. What do you think the line is, Walter? So I'm gonna give a slight edge to CLG because X Smithy has the slight edge over Acadian mm. in first blood percentage. I have CLG at minus 150. Okay. I get this one. Uh, I said CLG minus 220. It is CLG minus 208, which I think is fair. Mm. There's a little bit of Echo Fox value, plus 155. That's in play. That's absolutely in play. I think we might want to return to that later, depending on... Uh, how some of these other lines go. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of that line at all. It's That's giving CLG way too much legacy credit. It's a little high. I mean, but at the same time, I think that Echo Fox needs to prove that they have some mental resilience. The way they fell apart in game two and three was really embarrassing against Liquid. It was a it was a sign of a team that as soon as things started to turn, they had that look in their eyes of, oh my god, we're gonna lose this game. And Liquid tried desperately to throw game two, but you only get so many chances that, you know, if when the window's held open for you and they just need to prove that they can take advantage of them. Uh, let's see. Phoenix 1 versus FlyQuest. These teams are hoping to take advantage of this series uh, to get ahead in the standings. These are, you know, a lot of playoff implications on the line for, uh, for some this of This is a sneaky teams. good series. This, if, you, if you told me, you know, week four you'd be excited about this series being a split, I would have laughed it off. But this is a sneaky good series. This is possibly the best series of the week. So, Walter, if we're, if we're going to highlight this series and say that it's, it's a super fun series to watch, what in particular are you excited about with this series? Ryu versus High. 
it's got to be Ryu versus Hyde. They both have such similar play styles mm-hmm. as, as, as a whole. The, the very roaming, shot-calling, you know, taking care of the macro, sort of micromanaging aspect of it. Um, that's, that's really what I'm excited for. I'm excited to see Moon versus Inori. Um, I think that Inori has had higher highs but some lower lows. I think uh, Moon has been very clever in terms of his champion picks. Um, you know, playing Nidalee, playing Evelyn, like... I think that's going to be the youngster that will play. I think if Ivern is played in this series, it's going to be Moon. I think it makes sense for Moon to play it, especially when he has the the new general and high to micromanage him around the map and be like, okay, like we're going to do this. Now we're going to do this. Drop Daisy now. Like, so I, I think it's truly going to be sort of a, a mid-jungle pairing matchup and whichever one is able to exert their influence across the map more is going to be the one that's successful. Um, yeah. I, it's going to be just... It's, I don't have much to say about it because it's just going to be fun. Yeah. This is going to be a very even, fun series. And this is the first real test FlyQuest has. This is the first real test FlyQuest has. Absolutely. And it is nice. You know, these are two teams that we can say pretty confidently understand the macro game. You know, even TSM has had some issues closing out games. And you've, you've seen, <sighs> you know, this whole idea of like, <sighs> too good not to, to yeah, don't get stomped. Say. To uh, you're not figuring it out. Phoenix yeah. One and FlyQuest do seem to have figured it out, and it's really going to be a battle of, you know, whether Phoenix One's you know roaming tendencies with Adrian and Ryu are going to be able to do more than you know FlyQuest, who I, I believe maybe has some some lane advantages. You know, I I like uh, the way that Alltech and and Lemonation are, are playing right now quite a bit. That's been one of the more pleasant surprises to me is just this Alltech guy who I used to have so much faith in finally turning things around. Um, at the end of the day, Walter, where do you think the line should be? I have Phoenix one at minus 200. Okay. I get this one. I said FlyQuest minus 130. And I hate to say this, Walter... It's even, isn't it? They finally have adjusted. It's not even. FlyQuest minus 119. Phoenix 1 is minus 108. So they're technically both getting minus odds, which is unfortunate. But it's very low minus odds. So if you genuinely are confident in whichever team's going to win this series, you should totally go for it. Uh, I will say that, un- unfortunately, Unicorn doesn't have, you know... Uh, Actually, what is the uh, what are the odds that this goes to three games? Is I think something that I'm gonna I'm gonna want to look at because that could be incredibly helpful for us. But we'll come back to that when we uh, do our best bets at the end of this uh, of the episode. But let's talk about uh, TSM versus Envious, or or maybe let's not talk about TSM versus Envious. Is there anything you really want to say about this game? It seems pretty straightforward on paper. Listen. I'm envious as a dumpster fire, but they're not as bad a dumpster fire as someone like Orion. And uh, the Phoenix One FlyQuest is minus 105 for two map- for three maps. Yeah. So, yeah, see, I'd rather, I'd rather look that up and just kind of ho-hum. Like, I, TS, if TSM doesn't win this series or if this is like a 2-1 series, like, I think TSM is the worst out of the top four teams. Yeah, I think they're the worst out of the top four teams, and I'm gonna say it again: Reggie better be begging Double Lift to come back and play for him because Wild Turtle is not the answer. Yeah, and I I didn't watch the Parth interview where they talked about you know remaking the entire shot calling thing. I hadn't had a chance to, so I do want to go back and listen to some of his thoughts on it. But dude, whatever you're doing is not working. 
your shot calling is atrocious. And really, you almost uh, lost that series against CLG unless Svenskeren just absolutely goes off. Or against Phoenix 1, unless Svenskeren goes off and Inori doesn't play Ivern. Like, you got really lucky that Phoenix 1 got cute and put Inori on something that I don't think he's good at. Yeah. So... I like to call TSM the Jack Sparrow of the NALCS because they're the worst five and one team I've ever seen. But they are five and one. They are five uh, and no, one. Guys. Envious was five and one last split. I mean that's true. Or four and two, something like that. It, it, it was really. Uh, it did not four, end as well for them as uh, they had hoped. It's it's tough. I I want to you know obviously the talent is there. These individual players. You it you should figure it out. It should come together and look like a cohesive whole, and it just. Doesn't. Uh, what if Hai wants to play AD Carry? We'll bring Hai in. He'll play AD <laughs> Carry. He'll be. He'll shot call for us. Man, I I believe that if uh if Hai start was uh came onto TSM, it might break the subreddit. Like it, it would be possibly well, even bigger than the double lift. Like, then he's basically still on Cloud Nine, which still <laughs> irritates me every time Jack like tweets about it. I get your friends with them, but like, man, I said this before. If I was Wesley Edens, I'd be freaking furious. Yeah. I'd be furious that people are just referring to them as. Cloud Nine B team or Cloud Nine White. Yeah, it's fearless. it's not a uh, not ideal. Where do you think this line is, Walter? TSM minus six hundred. Okay, you get this one. I went a little bit too high. I said minus seven hundred. It is TSM minus five hundred. So that's envious at plus three thirty five. And uh, I don't think I would touch this game for anything. I I'm kind of sad that I have to watch it. <laughs> to be honest with you, it seems it's gonna be a. Uh, who knows? Maybe TSM starts putting it together. I'd like to be wrong on that. Uh, but we're going to move on. Liquid- I'd, love to, I'd love to be correct that they fix it, but I don't yeah. think... Maybe they'll figure out how to do shot calling, but no, I don't think so. Yeah, they'll, uh, we'll have to see it to believe it. Liquid yeah. versus Immortals. We've talked about both of these teams already. Is, is there any one thing you could point to in this series that'll define who comes out on top? Which jungle top lane has a better series? That's what it's going to come down to. Are Rainover and Lorelo better than Flame or Dardock or vice versa? That, that's essentially what it's going to come down to. Um, because their other lanes are, I think, dead even. Maybe Pobelter finally wakes up and is able to exploit Golden Glue. Um, that's a possibility. Um, but I think these teams are almost the exact same team at their core. It seems like if you were to make a, like a mirror universe and just pull them in, it's almost exactly, you know, point for point. You've got top laners who have been the most consistent, you know, guys, uh, so laners on the team uh, and are trying to be the guys that the team plays through. You've got two junglers that would love nothing more than to gank for people if they had a lane to gank. You've got two mid laners who at one point people considered promising and just don't seem to have put it together this split. And uh, a bot lane that looks better on paper than it has in real life. I don't know uh, which version of this shadow battle is going to come forth, but uh, let's see where you think it goes, Walter. What did you put the line? Uh, I have Team Liquid at minus 135. Okay, you get this one as well. Yeah. I went I went too high. I said Team Liquid minus 150. Team Liquid minus 118, which puts Immortals at minus 111. So basically, the casinos are saying, yeah, they're the same team. 
Maybe Liquid is just a little bit better because at least we, you know, more of those players have been around on, in that system for a while. It's weird. It's weird how, like, when you have the same play style and the exact same weaknesses that you're basically the same team. Yeah. I, uh, weird how that happens. <laughs> I'm just glad it seems like the casinos recognize that. They didn't try to... Uh, Try to give any legacy points on either side, which I appreciate. Unfortunately, it means that there's absolutely no value, so you know what's coming. Stay away! Don't do this. You don't want to be the one who's like, man, I really need Team Liquid and or Immortals to come through on Game 3. You don't want that for yourself. I promise you that's not how you want to spend your last game on, uh, on Saturday. Let's go on to Sunday's games. Echo Fox versus TSM. Echo Fox... They need to fix their macro mistakes. TSM needs to fix their macro mistakes. And the battle of weird macro teams, which team do you think has the most promise to, to pull this off? I think, I think TSM has the best macro. I think they're going to have a more consistent macro. Um, it's that, does Svenskeren decide that he wants to have a pulse in the early game? Because mm -hmm. he's going to be up against the best early game jungler in North America in Acadian. And Acadian had this poignant quote to Slingshot, which was basically like, you know, there's no, there's no place for, like, passivity in the jungle. Like, like, you know, a lot of us youngsters are really super aggressive, and if you aren't super aggressive like us, like, you don't belong in the jungle. And I think that's really poignant. I think the, team, the players that haven't been really aggressive in the first five, ten minutes of the game, um, their teams have struggled. And, you know, we bring up the Mark Z thing, but, you know... TSM, they're winning because they're late game. They're winning because they're, you know, one player is goes Super Saiyan mode at like 20 minutes and they win one team fight and they move on. Um, TSM First Blood's not, not very good. They just aren't trying hard, I think, in the early game. They're scared to, scared to make a play. They're, you know, I just, their early game is really bad. They just, as, as good as Echo Fox's early game is, TSM is the opposite. They're giving up a ton of dragons. They're not asserting themselves on the map. They're not getting a lot of really good vision on the map. And some of that is that Biofrost has to babysit Wild Turtle because he's not capable of clicking right-click on his mouse and Q at the same time. I'm, it's just a really flawed team, but because their players are so talented in four of the positions, they're getting away with it because they just make a, a, a great play 20 minutes into the game and turn it around. They make that one team fight and they, they're able to turn it around from there. So it depends. If Svenskeren decides he wants to be the Svenskeren of the, of the summer playoffs and worlds, like this is going to, this could be a really easy win for TSM. If not, Echo Fox could build up quite a bit of a bank, quite a bit of a lead. And then you're hoping you can maybe outplay Froggen at some point and hope that he's not on something that he can just make a play and end the game. Let's not forget, like, there was a series last year where Echo Fox won a game against TSM and kind of made a series look a little weird because TSM didn't want to be aggressive against them early and let Froggen get to a point where one play and he won the game. Yeah. So it's it's certainly going to be uh, interesting to see if Echo Fox can continue that early game success against a team as talented as TSM. You would like to imagine that they'll be able to adjust to that kind of aggression. They've certainly played against plenty of aggressive junglers like Dardock in the past, so you would imagine that Acadian shouldn't be throwing them off of their plan, but TSM never shuts the door on anybody, and I find it hard to believe that this is going to be a 2-0, despite the fact that I think that 
almost across the board, TSM do have the better players. Yes. It's going to be a matter of can that talent put it together? And as you've said, so far, yeah. So this would be a great game, Wild Turtle, to prove me wrong. Yeah. Like this would be a great game for you to just style on Keith. Oh like, yeah, for sure. You know, like you must have done in scrims a year ago because that was how you were able to keep your job. So if you want to make me shut up about you, like kill Keith like ten times in landing phase. That would make me happy. It, it seems like hire him. It seems like if Wild Turtle's going to be the guy that you know, TSM needs him to be when the playoffs come around. This should be a lane that he wins. If he struggles here, I'm going to be very, very nervous for TSM moving forward. Where do you think the line is? I said TSM minus 400. I also said TSM minus 400, Walter. So we're going to split that one. Uh, The actual line is TSM minus 500, which puts Echo Fox at plus 335. And I'd like to point out that we can get plus 140 for it to go to three maps. And TSM has yet to win a series in two maps. Just pointing that out. Plus odds for something that has happened every time TSM has won. We might want to come uh, back to that. I think I can think Echo Fox can win one game. I don't think that... I, I'm liking not, all these offbeat parlays and betting front twos and... Three maps. They're not sitting well with me, dude. They're just not sitting well with me. They're, they're like my they're like my boogeyman right now. It's just, <laughs> well, hey, you got to remember, NA's been kind to us. So maybe we'll see. We'll come back. CLG to, versus Phoenix 1. Phoenix 1, obviously, this is a series that you feel like they have to win if they want to cement themselves as, you know, the kind of dark horse that you and I believe they are. CLG obviously desperately wants this win to kind of assert themselves as, you know, their, their progress from week three being the team that they're, you know, going to continue improving to become moving forward. Right. Which version do you think shows up? Do, we, do you think that CLG has the tools to, to make a splash here, or is Phoenix 1 going to be able to shut this down? Not for three games. Hmm. I think maybe for one game that CLG might might be plucky and you might have a Relian Soul game or something like that, but I don't think for three games. I haven't seen consistency from them. Darshan and Hui are the same inconsistent players that they were all last summer. Um, because of the meta, Stixe isn't in a position where he can carry. Yeah, I mean, maybe if he switches to like a Misfortune or something where he could just try and deal a whole bunch of damage and Tower Siege and... Who knows? That's a possibility. It also works really well with things like Morgana, which Aphromoo has always shown an aptitude for. Um, but Xmithy, as much as he's getting first bloods, he doesn't look as good as he did in the summer either. Like It seems like the two players that were, were keeping them afloat in the summer have, have downgraded slightly. Mm-hmm. And some of it's meta, some of it's just their play patterns and whatnot. And, and I don't think they could afford to do it when they just barely squeaked into Worlds because of how well they did in the spring when they were at you know, their peak form. Um, so I'm not really worried if I'm a Phoenix 1 fan. I think CLG makes it a close series. They win a game. You know, One of the other games is kind of back and forth, but I think Phoenix 1 has shown they have more impressive players across the board, mm-hmm. um, and their macro game is, is, is pretty spot on. And The one place I'd say is you want to go exploit is Zig. They, we haven't seen a, like, a Darshan carry champion game. Yeah. I haven't really seen like him go to Fiora or like Camille or anything like that. It's been pretty much like 
Maokai, Poppy, Nautilus, like tanks, tanks, tanks. Yeah. So maybe that's how they win that game, is they do. They like, all right, play Fiora and we're gonna camp you and we're gonna try and get you three kills early on and Zig can do nothing against you, but I'm not overly confident in that strategy. Yeah, I, I think that if you're a counter logic gaming fan, you have to be looking at, at this and, and looking at uh Malixia and the and the ownership and saying we ran back the roster from spring. We struggled for most of the split in the summer. We made a, enough of a run that we were relevant in the playoffs and we got enough points to, to make our way to Worlds. We did not do well there and we ran it back again. And every time they've run it back now, it's just been slightly worse than the version from before. And certainly, I'm not writing CLG off. Azix is too smart as far as how he tends to create game plans, even if I'm not necessarily a fan of what he's done so far this split. I've been kind of underwhelmed so far, but he certainly has proven that he has the potential to be that guy. Uh, you know, Sticks A in the right meta, as you said, can be a big help. But when Darshan is getting worse every split, and I do believe he's gotten worse from the version he was last split, and Aframu has taken a huge step back, a surprisingly huge step back, in my opinion, I don't know what part of this is worth, you know... At this point, you got to just wonder, like, what do you do in the summer? Because their their refusal to make any move whatsoever, and they were the only team in North America to run all five guys back. It seems to be catching up to them. Other teams are getting better as and CLGs just stay in the same skill. Yep. Uh, where does that put the line, Walter? Uh, I have Phoenix one at minus one fifty. Okay, you got that one almost exactly. I said Phoenix 1 minus 180. It is Phoenix 1 minus 149. So, yeah, you get that one. That puts CLG at plus 115. I gotta be honest, I think Phoenix 1 at minus 149 is probably worthwhile. Because I don't... I, I think that they win that series way more than the, you know, 55 to 60% of the time that that number would indicate. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's... Minus 149 is pretty pretty... Good. If you're looking for like a decent favorite that still gives you some money back, like yeah, I'd yeah. say I'd say that's pretty strong. Well, we've got two games left. Let's uh, rapid fire through this first one: Dignitas versus Envious. I, again, we've kind of <coughs> gone over this before. What's, what's the line, Walter? <laughs> Dignitas minus one thirty-five. There it is. I uh, I get this one. Damn. I get Dignitas minus two hundred. It is Dignitas minus two fifty-six. Envious plus one ninety. That seems questionable to me. I understand that Envious has only won one series, but I thought that uh, Ninja looked better in the mid lane, and Lyra I, is good. He's a genuinely good player. I kind of like Envious. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. That's got some pretty good value. I'm not sure I want to gamble on this because it's the same thing. I don't want to watch this series, and I don't want to be like. Envious needs to win this third game of this best of three, but like that's got some pretty sneaky value. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. And speaking of sneaky, FlyQuest versus Cloud9. Oh, oh, oh. What a way to end the week! This is truly, you know, I, as much as I like Phoenix One versus FlyQuest because I want to see whether Phoenix One rises oh, to the occasion. This is the highlight. I mean, highlight. as much as man, we... the LCS scriptwriters couldn't have written this any better. Oh man. It really does feel like everything came together for Riot as far as the storyline goes. And it's going to be... I'm I'm very fascinated to see, you know, if any team understands, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of the guys on FlyQuest, it's Cloud9. 
But it also, you know, high and balls and lemon nation. They know everyone on that cloud nine roster. They've played with all of them. They understand the ins and outs on that side as well. So when you have these two teams that have both been smart, that have both exhibited strong macro decision making, that are both mechanically solid and, and you know, and more than solid in, in most of the roster, what's the difference maker? What, how do you take these two teams that have such an intimate knowledge of each other and poke these little holes that, uh, that they're going to need to come on top? It's called, just give me one second here, one second here. Okay. It's called Body by Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that was so much creepier with my, my with my headset. This is really <laughs> a nice quality. It just, oh, my, I, that's the, that's going to haunt me in my nightmares tonight. But, but, but yeah, Body by Jensen is fair. High, <laughs> high in the Boys is aptly named because it, it runs through high. Yeah. High is the... The be-all, end-all, he is doing the most damage uh, percentage of his team in the league. Uh, he is now ahead of Froggen. He has the highest damage per minute in the league. He has the most kills in the league. Um, or second most kills in the league. Third most kills in the league. Sorry. He's behind Acadian and Moon, and I think that's massive. I don't trust him in lane against Jensen. Hmm. I don't. We haven't seen High go against one of the two big dogs. We haven't seen him against Jensen, and we'll see him against Bjergsen next week. The times that he's beaten Bjergsen, he's cheesed him. He's done Teemo. He's had his team set up. You know, he's had really good matchups. He's done the thing where he's like, I don't care if I lose laning phase. I'm going to win the game, so I'm just going to play. He does the opposite of Keen. He doesn't pick a cheese pick. He's just like, I'm going to play super, super safe, lose the lane by 40 CS, but because I'm a better shot caller than you, I'm going to ward up. I'm going to take advantage of your jungler. I'm going to take advantage of your support that's roaming around. Like, that's how I'm going to win the game. I foresee a similar path to victory here, but that hasn't been how he's played. He has played, I'm going to go mano a mano against every mid laner that I go against. Mm -hmm. And I think that's FlyQuest style is they need to have someone win a lane. And it's not going to be Balls. Balls hasn't won a lane against anyone in, like, three years at this point. Alltech and Lemonation, you can kind of bank on them maybe to win a lane, but I think Sneaky and Smoothie are, are effective enough that it's at least going to be a draw. Mm -hmm. Like, at best case, I think it's a draw for, for FlyQuest. So now you're leaning really heavily on can High beat Jensen, and I don't think so. I think Jensen is a better mechanical player, so that's going to rely on High going to one of his alternative. Maybe we see Ken in mid. Maybe we see Fizz. That was really effective for Cloud9 when they played against uh, TSM. Having Jensen on the Fizz basically negated anything that, uh, that TSM tried to do on ganks, and they never tried to gank him again And when you went into the second game of that series. Maybe Echo would work. Um, I, just, I think that is the crux of the game. It's going to center around the matchup between Jensen and High, and I have to give Jensen the advantage. I think that's incredibly fair. I mean, the one thing that really, you know, rings in my head every time I try to theorycraft this game is Cloud9 could have taken any single one of those guys from the uh, Challenger roster and moved them up to the main roster oh, throughout last oh, year. Oh, I, I And they didn't sorry. do... What, what has changed? You have to believe that something has changed 
from the fact, like, they took Impact over Balls. Has anything changed from Balls to say that he is better than Impact from the time that Cloud9 benched Balls for Impact? Not much. Has, you know, contracts, you know, is the one thing you can't really point to because FlyQuest went out and signed a new jungler, whereas contracts was from the challenger team. But they took the guy that they believed was the best guy yeah, for that Yeah, they didn't dub. take videos. Yeah, yeah exactly. they, you know, Je- you know, Jensen, would you have ever started high over Jensen? No. Why do we know that? Because they didn't do it when they made that choice multiple times. Uh, same with Jensen versus uh, Sneaky versus Alltech. Same with Smoothie versus Lemon Nation. It's very hard for me when I look at just top to bottom, bit by bit, to say any single part of FlyQuest should have the advantage. If you believe that Cloud9 knows what they're doing as far as player evaluation, which I'm inclined to say they do. Now, and, and for yeah. the record... Being the more talented players and, and being more talented for what the Cloud9 system wants to do doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that FlyQuest can't put together a, you know, style of play that's able to subvert that. You know, teams can win if they have more cohesive team play, uh, you know, even if they're not necessarily as mechanically talented. It's just that all of the lessons that High is bringing to FlyQuest about how to play the game are the same lessons he taught all of Cloud9 how to do. And that, to me, is is it leads me to believe. In I thought Reaper was the coach of the split last year, Chase. I think he is, and but you know, the, you know what a good coach does? He listens to intelligent people around him. A coach doesn't order by decree. A coach listens and theory crafts. And when a good idea comes up, depends on your type of coach. Depends on your type of coach. I'm pretty sure Kakoma orders by decree. That's fair. Like, I'm Kakoma. You do this, Faker, and Faker goes, "Okay." You're you're not wrong. There are certainly I'm just, I'm just, just saying different ways to do it, but I I think it's going to be a very interesting series. I would love to be wrong because that would make it very fascinating, as far as I'm concerned. If, if FlyQuest does pull this off, then we have a ton of questions about you know where both of these teams go moving forward. But Walter, where do you think the line is? This is a nightmare scenario for me because no matter what happens, Jack wins. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll just let my inherent Cloud9 and anti-high bias shine through. I yeah. dislike both of them as people in general. That's fair. So I lose either way. <laughs> either way I lose. And I'm probably going to lose the week here with this guess. I have Cloud9 at minus 185. You do lose the week with that God. guess. So I go to 5-3 and three overall. I'm back. I told you, man. After, uh, after Sunday, I just threw myself into all of this podcast stuff. I needed to, uh, to you know, take my mind off of it. I, I felt like I was in the zone. I had Cloud9 minus 200. I was not that uh, much closer than you. It is Cloud9 minus 303. That's FlyQuest plus 220? That seems wrong. Like, I know I just made the case of, like, Cloud9 should be the better team just by them having made the decision that they believe this is the better team. But plus 220, man, that's a lot of value. That's, that is a... Uh, I think that happens more than, you know, what that's, you know, what that would in, uh, indicate, right? Am I crazy here? Yeah, just, you're crazy. You're crazy. So They're going to shut high down. You think that, uh, that FlyQuest doesn't win this series more than 31% of the time? How do they win if, Fly, if high doesn't go off? There's the answer to your question. Okay, that's I funny. think Cloud9 are going to focus the hell out of high. I, I think that's that's and, and, and it fair. seems like oh wow Walter that's such like a brilliant thing to say focus the mid later oh my god but nobody's done it because they haven't played against one of the you know they haven't played against the better teams yet they haven't played against the other three top teams in the league and we saw last night 
or this morning, early this morning when we were recording, BBQ Oliveras versus Longview Gaming. Everybody was on BBQ. Oh my God, they've been looking good. And there's like three or four Twitter analysts that are like, yeah, but they haven't played anyone good. And we've been saying this entire podcast that six of the teams suck. And they haven't played the other three top four teams. Yeah, so. the, yeah the six teams that suck are the teams that they've beaten, which is just... Uh, and they lost know. to one of them. They lost to one of those six teams. So. And, yeah, I mean, and for the record, like, you know, you can only beat the guys that are in front of you, I, you know, and, That's you know, I, I understand. I argue that they're not number two in the league, but you're, you're, you're saying, oh, they're at plus 220. I think that's fair, because how else do they win without high? If high isn't dealing 30% of their damage a game, do they win against five, you know, do they lose? You know, win or lose those other five games. And now you're talking about the best team in North America at this moment. Yeah. Everyone knows High is the crux of that team. No one's been good enough to exploit it. And I think Cloud9 is good enough to exploit it. Yeah. And certainly they would understand that more than any other team just by having worked with them for as long as they did. We need to find some value, Walter. I I think I, I really like the idea of going to three maps for TSM versus Echo Fox just because TSM has yet to win a series cleanly. When we lose this bet, I'm done with that that prop that, tip. That's fine. I I, I will uh, I will take all of the blame uh, for that one. What was that again? It's uh, plus one forty for over two and a half, uh, half maps. Uh, I just uh, it just seems like the way that uh that every single one of these games has gone for TSM. They never completely shut the door down, and they do tend to get better as the series goes on. Most of the time, they're losing game one. And I yeah. think that game one, Acadian can pull out some crazy thing since they'll be on blue side and, uh, and use that to their advantage. Fair. Uh, what else do I like? I, I kind of like Echo Fox plus 155 against CLG. Uh, that, my eyeball was going to that one, too. Yeah. I can, I can take that one. That seems to I'm be, okay uh, with that. I'm okay with it. And then the other one I think is uh, absolutely worth taking would be Phoenix 1 minus 149 against CLG. Yes. I think that happens way more than the odds yep. indicate. I would say so. And honestly, I would say if you, you folks gambling at home, Phoenix 1 versus FlyQuest and Dignitas versus Immortals, you got good odds on both sides. If you feel strongly one way or another, I'd hop on it. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know what would possess you to feel strongly about it on either side. I certainly don't feel like I, I don't have any confidence in in making that kind of prediction. But please, by all means, you want to take that challenge? Uh screenshot it send us a picture if you're right we will totally retweet you and give you all the props in the world for being bolder than we are but we are going to lock those three and so it is tsm versus echo fox plus 140 to get over two and a half maps uh echo fox plus 155 over clg and then phoenix one minus 149 over clg we're uh, down on clg this week it seems like they go up and down this would be a down so let's see how it goes hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode uh, if you did, please consider uh, following us on social media. Uh, I am at RedShirtKing. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. I'm serious. If you guys could tell me exactly with, with like examples, I need a six-page essay about why Cloud9 are an incredible team this split. That's where you can hit me up at, and my email's on there too. So I'm dead serious. If you There's some young analyst out there that wants to, like, Go out and be like, this is why they're amazing. This is why you're an idiot and you're just biased and you hate Jack and you just hate Cloud9 and yada, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Go for it. I, I'm actually welcoming it right now. And if you want to hear more impressions like that, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button, guys. And uh, if you give us a thumbs up or comment, we really do read all of them. We really appreciate it. 
uh, be sure to come back next week. We'll be looking at the uh, North America and European lines for week five and recapping all of this week's action. So until then, bye, Internet. Hey there, Sadie's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash rough drafts pod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming, or join our VIP club where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.